Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Grabs Podcast. My name is Grant Schwalbe, and joining me today is TJ Layfield from Pinellas Park. Uh, welcome, TJ. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So tell us a little bit about your department and the search culture going on in your department. Um, we are a four-station department. Um, we have a we have two engines. We have two truck companies. Well, mostly Quince. Um, we have two rescues, a heavy squad, and uh, hazmat and tech tech rescue capabilities. Um, we're located right in the middle of Pinellas County. So it's a, a county of about a million people. Um, and I would say, you know, our search culture is probably not where it's, and unfortunately I would say that it's, you know, crew dependent. Um, one of the, we have assigned tasks on scene, you know, such as first in units, fire attack and water supply and so on and so forth. And, uh, um, yeah, it's 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 an aggressive search culture, uh, but I think it could be better, if I'm being honest. So what do you guys typically get on a residential structure fire, assignment-wise? Typically we get, we do not, we do not distinguish between engines and trucks. We distinguish between um, pump-capable units, trucks, and, and squads, which are the uh, heavy rescues. Typically we will get um four pump capable pump capable units a truck company a squad company and then on the when we activate a working fire file we will get an extra dc and uh, an extra engine so typically and in, in staffing wise uh it's three pretty much across the board sometimes our trucks will have four so the guys doing the math are probably adding stuff up and you run out of resources pretty quick. You guys are countywide there? We, um, well, this, the county in which we work in has 17 uh, full-time fire departments in it. Uh, uh, within that county is St. Petersburg and Clearwater. Um, those two have their own standing orders where the rest of the, of the county has uh, Pinellas County standing orders or SOPs. So uh, for the most part, we all and play are, by the same music. Are you dispatched from the same dispatch center or how's that work out? Well, we're dispatched from the same dispatch center. So it would be odd to have a couple different departments on the same fire? Oh, for the most part, I don't know if I've ever been to a structure fire where it was just Pinellas Park units. It's usually a a mix of three or four departments to be honest gotcha and that's that's pretty similar to how we do it down here in the fort myers area i don't know if it's a florida thing or what but combining resources to get what we need there uh seems to work out which does present in itself i think some some difficulties and challenges when you're talking about search culture and, and department culture all around why don't you uh, sure. take us to march march 17th 2018 and tell us tell us about that 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 night Sure. Um, it was a pretty typical day um, as far as uh, runs were going. Um, we had an early, we had an early structure fire down in, in St. Pete, where um, you know we, we we went down there, did a quick search of a, a house, and then quickly became available. 
Um, but it was during uh, our biggest event for the union for it was our chili blaze. So we had a couple thousand people actually outside of our station um, in this big park area. And, you know, we were just hanging out there. And then when the tones dropped for a structure fire, when I listened to the dispatch, I kind of had a feeling that I don't know about you, Grant, where, you know, within a sterile, but if in certain neighborhoods, it's a wash, but who's going to be first and who's going to be second. Um, and so I, I just assumed that we were going to be first on and we were, as we were, as we were responding, we were getting multiple calls received. Um, one of our rescues uh, arrived on scene and they gave a size of with heavy smoke showing um, and no evacuation. Uh, and then truck 33, which was the unit that I was on and engine 34, we arrived on scene simultaneously. Um, and as soon as I got out of the truck, I had someone telling me that they think that there's someone inside. Um, they weren't able to give, you know, any clues as to where they would be. Like they weren't pointing to a, a window or they're saying like, this is the bedrooms. Um, they just said they, that they think that there's someone inside and they haven't seen the owner. So, um, at that point, you know, I pretty much decided since it was us and engine 34 getting there with engine 34 had an acting lieutenant. So to make his life easy, I just assigned him that he was going to be fire attack and that I would give him his primary. And so we were the first ones through the door. Uh, we actually entered through the garage. Um, smoke conditions when we got there had actually changed pretty dramatically from, you know, heavy, heavy smoke coming out of the eaves to now starting to bank down into the garage. And when we opened up the door, it was, it was smoke was pretty much banked down from the ceiling to the floor. Um, I threw the tick up as we were entering the, the garage door and I could, I could, I could see the heat signatures were coming out of the kitchen. So we went directly to the fire. We were trying to isolate it, but as every single time we got closer, we kept getting to another, we got to a, a door. So I had a, a three week proby, which that's, this was his very first fire. Um, he went with me and I started putting him in the, I put him in a door right off the kitchen and engine 34 was making their way. And I had them hold off on water because of where we were at. So he did a quick search of that, of that room, came back, told me that it was, it was clear. Uh, I told the Lieutenant on 34, just give me a second. Let me get out of here. Let me get out of the way. So we were able to clear that area close to the fire. If there was anyone, that would be where they would be most endangered. Um, and then we worked our way to the living room, did a quick sweep of that. I didn't see anything on the tick. Made our way through through the, the hallway, which all the bedrooms were off of. And, you know, I went into a bathroom, quick sweep of the tub, came back out. I threw the, the probie back into a uh, another bedroom and closed the door behind him. And he came back. It was clear. And we got to the last bedroom. And that's when we found the victim who was sitting in a chair. I, I, in fact, I just ran into him. And uh, as soon as I hit him, I knew that the worst thing that I could do is drag him through the rest of the house. So uh, we ended up taking the window on the alpha side. And uh, our squad 35, which had assumed writ, they assisted in removal. And we just took him out the window. Um, we worked him in the front yard. 
uh, we were able to get um, pulses back on scene. Uh, we delivered a cyano kit, which is something that we carry in Pinellas County. It binds to the uh, it binds to the cyanide and the hemoglobin. It kind of helps flush out through the kidneys. If you know, it's it's been proven to work, but it didn't work for this guy, unfortunately. And uh, they worked it for like another hour at Northside Hospital, and, and unfortunately, he uh, he succumbed to his injuries. But um, yeah, that's 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 about it. I mean, it was a uh, it was a it was definitely a pretty intense experience. Um, it's it's kind of surreal when you actually find what you've been looking for your entire career. Um, and when it happens, you, you know, you kind of have to have a, you have to have a plan in your head. Um, and yeah, I think as you would agree, Grant, like I probably made that rescue a thousand times in my head. Um, and over a hundred sometimes at the drill grounds. So, you know, that's, that's definitely where it all starts. Very nice. What uh, what were the conditions in that bedroom, that last bedroom that you had? Uh, conditions uh, were probably smoked, probably down to maybe like waist level. But um, when I did a walk through the house, there was definitely some pretty high heat at the top of the at the top of the ceiling because parts of the part of like the picture frames had melted a little bit. So um, I, I really I think what really the fate of this guy was that he was kind of elevated in the space. He was sitting in the chair. So it just put him right where all the toxic smoking gases were. Now, you had mentioned not wanting to take him back through the way you came in. What were conditions worse where you came from as opposed to the bedroom? Or what, what brought you yeah, to that? Much worse. Actually, he was the farthest, he was the farthest point from the actual fire. Uh, in the house, uh, you know, we went directly to the area of origin and that's where we started our search and we kind of worked our way back. And, you know, as soon as we found him, I knew it was like, man, I go, if I drag this guy, the guy was about 250 pounds. So, um, I kind of had a feeling that if I, if I was to drag him through the house, any chance that he had was, was definitely going to be reduced even farther by just taking about the way that we came in. So, I mean, we carried uh, an eight pound, eight, eight pound axe um, and a halogen bar. So, you know, we had what we needed. So then, so instead of dragging, you know, 50 feet through the house, you were dragging, you know, eight, eight or so feet to the bedroom window. Uh, how did you do that drag or can you describe that? So he was in a chair um, and he was in a chair. So, what we did is we took the window and then squad 35 took his arms as we threw his arms out the window. Um, the, my, my probie actually kind of like, uh, we, we did maybe uh, like a pregnant lady lift. We just, cause he was already in the chair. He was already elevated. So it was a kind of a win. So we just got on each side and then we just, they pulled on his arms. We lifted up from, you know, from his legs. And as soon as we caught his, as soon as we got like his waist up on the windowsill, he came right out and very minimal, very minimal back too. So that was, I was pretty happy with that.
Nice. I, I I love how you guys move through the structure, and I think this comes up sometimes when we're we're teaching or talking with students uh, that they arrive the same time as the engine. Um, how nice is it to get ahead of the engine and not get stuck behind a hose line to facilitate that search? I think it does a couple things. Lets you move through a little bit quicker, but allows you to find the fire, search that fire room, and then shut the fire attack where it's at. So it expedites, I think, both the search and uh, the fire attack. Then it was like clockwork. You guys went through the uh, through the living room, made your way to the bedrooms. So we know from from the stats that the large majority of the, the victims are found in bedrooms. So that was real good. Uh, now it sounds like you guys were kind of doing an oriented search. Is that how you guys normally do do your searches, or or kind of take me through how you guys typically do that? So typically, if if you know our Typically, if, a, if an engine is responding as the first two uh, unit with a rescue, uh, usually the rescue will task up with the engine and make it a five-man unit, and they will do fire attack and um, and search off the hose line. Um, we were lucky enough that we had the engine and the rescue both on scene, and you had a complete truck complement. So we were able to just initiate search because we were already dressed and ready to go, um, whereas, whereas usually the rescues have to bunk out as soon as they get on scene, um, and then they, they, they task up with the engine. Um, that's not typical. That just happened to happen that way um, on that night. That's just kind of how, how it all happens. Usually first an engine gets to a, a fire attack, rescue will task up, Second unit is water supply, third is rig, and then so on and so forth. And then usually we have like the rescues and the engines will, will do the uh, the search and fire tech at the same time. It's not the most effective, but it, it's definitely kind of what we have as far as staffing seems to be how we, we operate things. That night it was, we you know, truck 33 was just, we arrived on scene, we were able to throw you know, nine people inside as quick as possible and to get a search. What do you, what do you think time lapse from, from arriving on scene until the victim was out was? Less than five minutes. I would, I would assume that less than five minutes. Um, it was a, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that, uh, led up. I think uh, there, there's a lot of things that led up to the success of that night. And, and two was, you know, there, I think so. It had to do that. There was an acting lieutenant was the was the engine company officer because you know when he got off, he sees me and, and I was a I'm, I'm the training chief now, but at the time I was a lieutenant and I had been a lieutenant for a few years. So he kind of looked at me as you know what do I want to do? When I told him your fire attack, I'll be your I'll, and, and I'll give you your primary. He just went to work and you know they stretched the line. They you know they they were they were they were really quick. And, you know, it's getting in and doing a search before in, in front of the hose line, um, it, the visibility once I got to the fire area was actually pretty decent. Like it wasn't, you know, um, and as soon as they hit it, it darkened down and I couldn't see anything. Uh, you know, I, I would say that I did not utilize my tick the way I probably should have. Um, I never even found the guy with my tick. I found him with, um, you know, just actually just, you know, doing your standard right-handed, left-handed, you know, uh, officer-led searches. So 
and I also had a probie that was like listening to everything that I said, and yeah, it was it was just a very it was a successful night. It was very quick work. We at Pinellas Park, it, it's it's not like we are a a large department. I think we get our fair share of departments. Um, we get our we get our fair share of fires. Um, you know, for the average department, but it's like anything else. We're a very heavily EMS driven fire department. Um, you know, we, we don't get as many fires as we, as we would like, but the training that took place, you know, that the success of that, of that rescue took place years of just training and, you know, not being complacent, you know, um, you do not know that there is, it is the primary is not clear until you clear it. And, um, you know, you need to get in those buildings. You need to search them. I'm not advocating that anyone does anything stupid and does kamikaze missions, but just because someone outside tells you that it's vacant, it doesn't mean that it's vacant because that fire started somehow. Um, and, you know, we need to be searching and you need to have a plan. If you have a plan, I, I think you will be successful. Just winging it is is usually, I don't believe that to be a, uh, a successful formula for um uh, for search and rescue. I think you would agree to that. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And we tell people, just like you said, you put in the work on the front end and it's going to pay off on the back end. Now, the uh, the person didn't survive, but that's not reflective on, on the effort of, of you and the crews that were on scene. Uh, you go in, you get them, and you let God sort them out after the fact. So, right. uh, very nice job. We want to encourage people, if you've ever had a grab, if you get a grab, go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill that out. Uh, that's good information for us that we can share and get our training right. Also, if you've got a grab, uh, successful or otherwise, uh, get a hold of me or Justin McWilliams. You can find us on Facebook, Residential Primary Search, Making the Grab, or Search Culture. And we'd like to hear your story and share it with everyone. Uh, so thanks for listening. And until next time, uh, I'm Grant.